Welcome to Double Truck Stories, the home to some of the best features, investigations, and character portraits from across ESPN. I'm Mike Philbrick, your host for the Double Truck Stories podcast. Remember to subscribe to Double Truck Stories podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Faith is a powerful tool. It can guide you, lift you, and build you into something bigger than you are. Newly minted Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins is definitely fueled by faith. Well, faith and the $84 million fully guaranteed contract he signed as a free agent this spring. While the money will allow him to provide everything his family ever wanted, this process landed him in Minnesota wasn't about Cousins' faith guiding him. It was also about Cousins looking for a team to have faith in him. Now that he has that security, there's no stopping what Kirk Cousins, a man for others first and quarterback second, can do. Stick around after the story for my conversation with ESPN reporter Courtney Cronin as we talk about how the Kirk Cousins we see today was decades in the making. Now we present the $84 million underdog by Courtney Cronin. Who is Kirk Cousins? A journey to the hometown of an $84 million underdog by Courtney Cronin. They hung on every word, attention locked on the man in the black bucket hat and blue t-shirt with a logo that matched the ones they wore. On the final Friday night in June, Kirk Cousins sat back on the cold tile floor inside the Dow Center at Hope College, home to his annual youth football camp, and casually chatted with a group of eighth grade boys. Soon, the two sides split up for a couple of games of dodgeball, with Cousins joining his fellow counselors to display the proper manner in which to army crawl to safety and avoid getting pegged. The Minnesota Vikings quarterback took to the group of 13-year-olds, striking up a conversation the teens soon shifted to his football career. He answered their questions candidly, as if being asked by any one of his closest friends, who were also on hand for the weekend. What's the hardest you've been hit? Cousins detailed the crushing blindside blow delivered by Alabama linebacker Courtney Upshaw during Michigan State's trip to the Capital One Bowl on New Year's Day 2011. My back still hurts, he told them. Were you surprised the Vikings got rid of Case Keenum? A little bit, Cousins said. They won with him. The teens wanted to know specifics about Vikings defensive ends Everson Griffin and Brian Robison. They asked about the process of sorting through teams in free agency and life in the NFL. But no one asked the biggest question facing Cousins this season. How will he bridge the gap between the Vikings and a championship as the final piece on a Super Bowl or bust team? It's here in his hometown of Holland, Michigan, with quaint, idyllic streets and lakeside views, that Cousins became equipped with the tools to clear the hurdles he has faced. Once an undersized, overlooked recruit, Cousins was drafted as a backup by the Washington Redskins. A career-altering decision came in March when he signed with the Vikings in free agency. Cousins' perspective is formed by his faith and those who have kept him grounded through his first six years in the NFL. Clinging to his role as an underdog is a large part of Cousins' identity, though the perception of that narrative has been changed by his three-year, $84 million fully guaranteed contract. The expectations have changed as well. Now that Cousins has a team that believes in him long-term and a shot to win big, there's part of him that refuses to let go of that underdog mentality. A refreshing sense of vulnerability rarely exhibited by those in his position, backed by self-actualization, keeps Cousins focused on providing Minnesota a return on its investment. The outlook he gained growing up will guide him on the next phase of his journey. I just know that I've never felt like I've had all the answers on the football field, 
Cousins told ESPN. Many times I've felt like the position of being an NFL quarterback is at times over my head. At times I feel inadequate. I think knowing that also keeps me a little humble. It makes me feel like I don't have it all figured out. That's what drives me to get there. The Real Cousins Earlier that Friday in camp, the bass-thumping beat of Zombie Nation filled the air inside Smith Stadium while temperatures climbed past 90 degrees. Playing the role of MC in front of 360 campers situated at midfield, Cousins ran from one sideline to the other, hyping up the sixth-grade Broncos and Vikings teams like they were about to clash in a heated Oklahoma drill. Soon, a dozen or so kids stuffed inside giant plastic inflatables collided at the 50-yard line after Cousins backpedaled out of the way. This game, which is essentially a light version of football played inside a bubble, is one of the quarterback's favorites. Ready? Set knockerball. There's just one rule. Do not fumble my football. But that's exactly what the Vikings did, leading to a Broncos scoop and score. Ball security will cost you, Cousins bellowed into the mic. For two days each of the past six summers, Cousins has hosted this camp, aiming to impact middle school-aged boys as they navigate their personal, social, and spiritual climates. It's here that these boys witness the NFL quarterback in his all-encompassing element, defined by his intense, compassionate, goofy, and quirky persona. Cousins flings dodgeballs and encourages campers to make the Bible their playbook for life. The passion Cousins exhibits was once encapsulated in a viral moment when he proclaimed to a TV camera, you like that, after a comeback win in Washington. It provided a narrow glimpse into the person some believed too calculated, cerebral, and analytical to veer off course. His mentality out on the field is, I'm a surgeon and I'm doing an operation, said Don Cousins, Kirk's father. A surgeon can't go into operation under emotion control. Out there, he's process-oriented. He's in charge, but inside, there's a fire burning. I've told him, I think you've swung the pendulum almost too far the other way, meaning people haven't seen that side of you, and that's who you are. To some degree, you have to let more of that out on the field than what you've done up until this point in time. The real Cousins, beyond public perception, is deeply tied to his Western Michigan roots. Don and Marianne Cousins sought change for their family in 2001, choosing to raise their middle- and high school-aged children in a place that aligned with the value system they built around their faith. Don, who is now a pastor in Orlando, was presented with a job opportunity at a church in Holland. After moving from the Chicago suburbs to this small town with Dutch Reformed Christian roots, Kirk became a three-sport athlete at Holland Christian High School, amassed a 4.0 GPA, and was an active member of Living Hope Singers, a bi-audition traveling performance group. Crooning the lyrics of Pretty Woman and Oh, What a Beautiful Morning" as a soloist, Cousins tapped into his passion for musical theater and singing. Over the years, he has seen Evita, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, The Lion King, and Motown the Musical. The Hamilton soundtrack is one of his favorites, but he has yet to see the Broadway hit. It's relaxing for me, Cousins said. I like seeing other people having to perform for once instead of me doing it. Golf has also become a release for him in recent years, a humbling game that teaches valuable life lessons and requires an immense amount of concentration, things he equates with his job as a quarterback. I play football the way Donald Ross designs golf courses, Cousins said while mic'd up during OTAs this spring. 
Calling him a voracious reader might be an understatement. He devours books, soaking up the information and passing it on to others. Cousins often starts email threads with his family, which includes older brother Kyle and younger sister Caroline, about books he found particularly enjoyable and inspiring. The impromptu summaries he sends are meticulous in detail. I don't know how many people at almost 30 years old that are writing book reports when they don't have to, Don Cousins said with a laugh. The Pied Piper At the end of the Vikings' spring off-season program, Cousins admitted that he felt behind and vowed to spend time going over playbook concepts he hadn't fully grasped. Embracing his downtime and cutting back also held high importance. Enjoying time with his wife, Julie, and 10-month-old son, Cooper, who recently moved into a new home on the shores of Lake Michigan, and hanging out with high school friends helped Cousins stay centered. There's people in your life who, even with your high school friends, they're just not that impressed by you, he said. When you keep them close by, they're big enough to call you out. They're big enough to make sure you do stay genuine. Frankly, I don't want to be any other way. His mega contract has undoubtedly changed the world around him, except here. Cousin's name is on his youth camp, but he's able to blend into the background in Holland in ways many people in his position can't. An Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady camp would undoubtedly feature a marketing and security presence. Not here. This is the place where those closest to Cousins keep him honest. They debate who won heated games of ping-pong in Don and Marianne's basement and reminisce about Kirk's ability to match Creed lead singer Scott Stapp's intonation on his rendition of the late 1990s hit, Higher. While his NFL world is often laced with ultimatums, the people here keep it light. I mean, I've always told him that he's been my second favorite player in the NFL, quipped longtime friend Micah Cool. Former Texans linebacker Brian Cushing's always been the big one for me. I told Cousins once he gets that Brian Cushing crazy streak, maybe he'll be in the conversation. Marianne Cousins labeled her son a Pied Piper when he was a teenager because he is capable of connecting with and leading people from diverse backgrounds. He didn't have just one group of friends, said Eric Heisinga, who became friends with Cousins during 7th grade basketball. He could hang out and relate to anyone, whether it was the choir group, the athletes, the 4.0 students. I think that's translated to today as well. That's why he's so self-aware. He can put himself in most situations and make everyone feel like they mean something. Bill Bird's choir room at Holland Christian was arranged by voice part. The sopranos were on one side of the room, followed by the tenors, basses, baritones, and on the other side, the altos. Cousin's voice dipped from tenor to baritone over the years, but Chris Durenbos was a soprano. Born with cognitive and physical impairments, Dornbos didn't grow like the rest of his classmates and resembled a fifth grader more than a freshman. His development issues meant his voice didn't change as he aged. Bird put Dornbos next to Cousins on the edge of the soprano section closest to the tenors. I put Kirk next to Chris because I knew that Kirk would understand and would be kind to him and be gentle, Bird said. Kirk was a strong singer, and if the song was low enough for Chris, he could drop down and match pitches with Kirk. But if it wasn't a part he could do easily, he could just swing right to the soprano section, and nobody was ever any the wiser. Molded by Faith The friendships Cousins has maintained for more than a decade derive from the principles he was taught at a young age. Don Cousins instilled in his children a belief about investing in people. People, his father said, matter to God. Therefore, people should matter to us. 
There's a Bible verse Cousins often turns to upon reaching crossroads, such as the one he experienced well before this off-season. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 states, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your steps. When Cousins chose not to sign an extension with the Redskins after being franchise-tagged for a second straight season in 2017, he relied on his faith to guide him through the uncertainty. He just didn't have a piece in his heart about signing a long-term multi-year contract with the Redskins, Don Cousins said. We believe that one of the ways in which God directs our steps is when we make decisions. If God's in it, there's a peace that comes. When that peace is lacking, then maybe that's God's way of saying that's not the right decision. All the choices Kirk has made, from signing with the Vikings to seeking specialized brain training and the advice of people in the business world on how to manage his money, have been carefully calculated. The crux of those decisions reveals Cousin's core. He wants the best results. To see somebody who's been given the platform that God's given him, which is just a gift because he can throw a football and he's smart— To now say you can take all of that and continue to use it for good, said Tim Schoenfeld, Cousins Camp Director and the Athletic Director at Hope College. I know he tries to be, I don't know if the right word is careful, but he doesn't want to seem disingenuous or, okay, I'm throwing around Bible verses to look like I've got it all together. But I think there's an intentionality with how he lives his life. Same old tune with Vikings. It wasn't long ago that Cousins debated whether he could get this far. In the spring of 2013, he had just completed a new venture, joining the broadcast booth as an analyst for Michigan State's Green and White game. Coming off a rookie season in which he started one game in place of an injured Robert Griffin III and saw limited action in two others, Cousins battled through a lingering knee injury. He questioned how much longer he wanted to be an NFL quarterback. His quote to me was, I don't know, maybe I'll go into broadcasting, trainer Joe Toffrey said. He said, you know what, maybe I'll just hang it up. And that was just five years ago. It's pretty cool to see that he's overcome those adversities and bounced back and just kept being the underdog. Cousins might not part with his underdog persona until he hits the pinnacle he plans to reach. In his next chapter, those high points are expected to trump three straight seasons with 4,000 yards passing and at least 25 touchdowns. The new mountain has a Lombardi trophy waiting at the top. He has heard the knocks, critiques, and skepticism as to whether this next hurdle is one he'll clear. An NFL executive expressed concerns over whether Cousins is the type of player who can put a team on his back. The vote of confidence he received in Washington was lacking at times. When you're seven and nine, you know, it's hard to say, wow, this guy really was outstanding, Redskins coach Jay Gruden said at the end of last season. Kirk had his flashes where he was really good. From a consistent standpoint, over the course of 16 games, you know, we're seven and nine. Cousins knew the weight on his shoulders when he turned down the New York Jets and Denver Broncos in free agency. The magnitude of this challenge is one he willingly accepted. It's one he and the Vikings believe he's capable of meeting. I've never seen him happier in a spot than he is with the Vikings, Huizinga said. He says it still feels like a dream. He says he comes home and he doesn't know if people are playing around with him because it's everything he's wanted and people are so nice. An $84 million quarterback is expected to lead, but Cousins says it goes beyond his paycheck. 
It certainly gives an indication, but the amount of money you make doesn't give people a desire to suddenly follow you, Cousins said. I played on a team where I made league minimum and was the starting quarterback, too. You'd better believe that I've got to command and have a presence about me that guys want to follow, regardless of what my contract says. If you're fake, your contract is not going to help you. You've got to be the real deal, no matter what. Cousins knows the honeymoon phase will end quickly if he can't help the Vikings take the next step after a 13-3 and season and appearance in the NFC title game. Instead of a group of teenage boys pondering his career, it will be stadiums of 60,000-plus on Sundays. There's also people saying, I won't be able to do it, that I wasn't worth the investment, and I shouldn't be there, Cousins said. There's no doubt those people are out there, so it's really the same old tune as far as put a chip on your shoulder, go out, prove yourself each day. I think it served me well to have that perspective. Joining me now is ESPN reporter Courtney Cronin, who covers the Vikings for ESPN.com. Courtney, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the time. So this is, I was, it's, while Kirk Cousins has been around for a while, I found in someone who reads and follows the NFL, I found that your, this feature you wrote on him is more of sort of like a reintroduction or introduction in the first place to Kirk Cousins because he's clearly a man guided by faith, but he also has a drive to win. You know, that point you had when there when he shouts out like, yeah, you like that? Like to the cameras after one comeback. So is his is his whole being demonstrative and is that a part of his drive or part of his faith? Or both, or what do you, what did you find like really fuels who he is? Well, that moment of you like that was was Kirk in a vacuum. Um, so many people, I think, from the outside world that you know, I went to Holland, Michigan, which is um, technically not where he's like he wasn't raised there his whole life. He mm-hmm. got there in seventh grade, but that's his hometown. Yep. Uh, that's really what he define the place that defines him, and, and he believes defines him. But, um, you know, I went there to try to find out a little bit more of what makes him tick because these NFL quarterbacks are so untouchable to to most everybody uh, watching as fans covering the team. I mean, it's so hard to truly crack who they are and their personality. I mean, you know, when you get into superstar status like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, I mean, even Cam Newton, I don't really know if people know who they are other than the the public perception and the marketing and everything else that's Mm -hmm. associated with their brand. So you like that has become a huge part of Kirk's brand. Uh, It's on t-shirts that he sells on his website. Um, You know, he, I believe he did trademark that phrase at one point. Um, And it was really a moment of passion that just so happened to be caught by, I believe it was NBC sports, um, which at that time was Comcast in Mm -hmm. Washington, where, In a moment of passion, after Kirk had led Washington to this crazy comeback win a few years ago, um, the first people he sees, he screams at, essentially. And it was, you like that exclamation point. It wasn't question mark of, do you like that? Um, And I think that that was a moment people were like, whoa, who is this guy? I mean, we didn't really see much of that on the national stage of Kirk Cousins uh, for quite some time. And, And that was the first glimpse to the outside world, but in going to Holland, I learned that that's who he is and that's who he's been. I mean, he was a guy in practice that they'd have to, you know, he'd kind of get a little irritated if if other people weren't wanting to work as hard as he was or he really couldn't understand why people wouldn't want to give their all. 
um, in games in high school. They kind of had to reel him in a little bit so he wasn't zinging balls over other guys' heads because he would just get so excited and, and so jacked to play. And, you know, I asked his father, Don Cousins, who's a pastor, pretty reserved himself, but you know, he's he's a man just shy probably of five foot eight and, and Kirk said, Well, I get my intensity from my dad, which, mm-hmm. you know, this really even keel man you probably wouldn't expect to be, you know, the the predecessor, I guess, of you like yeah. that. But yeah. You know, Don Cousins told him, like, at one point that I think you swung the pendulum on that moment. I think you swung the pendulum too far the other way, where people, like, were just so shocked by it that they just didn't understand where that came from. That's why it became question as to whether that's genuine or, you know, was that a calculated moment? And, you know... In, in for Kirk, it's a matter of letting a little bit more of that out in the field. Let like let people see who truly you are, and you know there's that fire burning within him. Um, let that out a little bit. Uh, another uh, person you spoke with, uh, you had uh, from Tim. Is it? I'm going to probably get this wrong. Tim Schoenfeld. Yeah. Ooh, close. Dutch names up there because yes. uh, Holland is a town formed and founded by a uh, Dutch American. Uh, you know, long time ago. The- well, yeah, he's well. He's the camp director for yes. Kirk Cousins' uh, football camp, and the athletic director over at Hope College. And I find it interesting that when he talked about how he even says, like, almost for lack of a better word, like how careful Cousins is to present himself, and when it comes to his like the the faith side of what guides him, do you think that is because you like in today's society people are sort of quick to label and make assumptions? Because it seems that there are some people, like you could argue that. Um, some when 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 Tim Tebow wore his faith on his sleeve, you could argue that some people kind of decide to stop listening to him. Oh yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. I think with you know Christianity and sports, um, it's a huge topic that we could do a whole another podcast on. But mm-hmm. just the matter of is it genuine? I covered recruiting for a while, yep. you could, and I could, you know, with, with kids, whenever they were going to commit and, you know, reveal where they were going to school the next year, first thing they do, I want to thank God uh, for putting me in this spot, and it was always something that was related back to that. Right. A lot of people tune out when they hear God, Jesus, anything that has to do with Christianity and faith, for better or for worse. It's, you know, personal preference, opinion, uh, one way or the other, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but there are a lot of people who almost see that as filler and mm-hmm. almost see that as it's not genuine. Um, and I think with what Tim was saying there is he's not, these Bible verses that Kirk, you know, will, will you know, openly talk about Proverbs three, three through five, I uh, mm-hmm. trust in the Lord and all you do. I believe, um, you know, I have that in my story as well. Yeah. That's the one he guides his life by. Um, he's not just saying it to put this stuff out there. I mean, his father was a pastor. That's where it comes from. I mean, he was raised this way. Everything he you know, believes in the way that he was, you know, reared with his two other siblings is with the Bible is their quote unquote playbook for life. That's Mm -hmm. what Kirk calls it. Um, So that's what I think he means by that, where it's not that you're just throwing out Bible verses to make yourself look good. Um, He truly walks it like he talks it. And, you know, for a lot of times in in athletics and you know even at the pro level, I think it comes across from some guys as ingenuine. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Kirk Cousins, this is who he is. You know, he is a believer, and I think that is such a huge part of his story that you can't just overlook and be like, yeah, it's just another guy preaching about the Bible. Um, 
another Tim Tebow, you know, and it's, it's probably an unfair knock that, you know, sometimes people look at him and say, well, this is, this appears phony or this doesn't appear like this is really who he is. It's a persona, you know, that's what it is. He, you know, he is what you see. Sure. But at the same time, you could also say that, uh, deciding that, uh, he, it is genuine. He's sort of still his own person, meaning that his you know, saying that I go to church 52 weeks a year, all that really says about you is that you are someplace 52 times a year. It doesn't actually say anything about you at all, necessarily. Absolutely. And, and you know, for me, that's, you know, why I went to Holland, to find out who he is behind the Bible verses, who he is behind, you know, quoting Ecclesiastes, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. I really should know this. I'm a recovering Catholic myself, so all of my Saturdays spent in CCD. Um, I should probably know more of the Bible <laughs> verses. Um, but the I went to find out, okay, what do those Bible verses mean? What are examples of him living his life that way? Um, and I think in guiding himself through this contract to be able to get to a record deal, to be able to get to a place where he found a peace. I mean, his father talks about in Washington, um, you know, he just didn't have a peace there to within himself, which, you know, his father said is a peace that comes from God of just kind of solace uh, and being comfortable with your decision. Um, I think came from the fact that he got, he didn't feel that they were really invested in him truly to a real long-term deal like what he got here. Right. Um, he's consulted his faith everywhere he's been, um, but really finding those stories of what it is to lead, a, you know, truly lead a life like Jesus. That's what he strives for. Mm-hmm. Um, his choir teacher put it in a way that I think is a really good example of seeing the qualities that Kirk had and using him, you know, using those for good was when he had a, um, uh, somebody who's become a dear friend, Chris Durnbos, um, has been a really good friend of Kirk for a number of years. He was born with cognitive and um, physical uh, impairments, and his voice didn't change uh, in choir. So, you know, he was he looked like a fifth grader when he was a freshman in high school, and his voice was like he hadn't hit puberty. And not to to not embarrass this young man um, and to make him feel comfortable. Bill um, Bill Bird, the choir teacher, saw the qualities of leadership within Kirk and saw that, you know, just the kind, gentle part of him where he put him next to him because he had the solo, he had the sopranos on one section and the tenors on the other, which Kirk was a tenor in high school, um, put him next to Kirk so he felt like he could have a buddy mm-hmm. and have and have somebody that he felt could guide him uh, just so he would feel comfortable and not feel embarrassed. And I think that those are the types of stories that behind what anybody says about their faith or how they wear it, that's a true way of living it. Right. Now, a story like that, is that one that was hard for you to pull out for someone, or was it that one that Kirk told you himself, or was that something that was really thrown at you to let you know, like, this is who you're talking about? Yeah, his choir teacher, that was right as we were about to hang up. Um, I was, you know, we went through a whole ton of stuff. He was great. Um, you know, and then that was one he just kind of said, well, you know, there's this moment, like, and then he brought that moment up, and I was like, this is the, I'm glad I said, hey, you know, to, to wrap up here, is there anything, you know, the one, number one thing you're taught in journalism school, is there anything I didn't ask that I should have? And, mm-hmm. you know, that was where that one came from. People were really, um, which I think you have to sometimes take with a grain of salt, people were really excited to talk about Kirk and talk about how great he is, and, you know, he's going. you go to a place where he's universally 
beloved, of course they're going to say great things. They're not going to say he's a terrible human being and, you know, here are all his flaws and here's a time where I saw him, you know, act a certain type of way. You're never going to hear that when you go to his hometown and, you know, it's calculated to a degree with, you know, you're at his camp. He's not going to have anybody there that he hates. Um, But people were really willing to go beyond just the, the surface of, oh, he was, you know, a great quarterback in high school, underdog story, yada, yada. Like, you know, giving examples of how they keep him grounded. I think the the funny, I was like just hysterically laughing when I talked to one of his best friends, Micah Cool, about the Brian Cushing comment yeah. where he's like, Kirk's my, Kirk's my, you know, I let him know, I keep him grounded, uh, that he's, you know, my second favorite NFL player behind, you know, obviously with the Texans uh, linebacker, the crazy streak he had and how many years he played down there. Um, and that, you know, maybe someday Kirk could touch that. But it's just like, there's these are these are Midwest kids with Midwest values who have been friends for more than a decade now, and mm-hmm. I think that that's a huge part of you know keeping his circle that way, where these are his buddies from seventh grade, our counselors at this camp. Um, that helps keep him grounded because I think for anyone, um, but especially as Kirk, Kirk is changing. I mean, mm-hmm. the world around him is changing. Maybe he's not. But the perception is now that he's an $84 million quarterback from a small town. Great. You can't be an underdog anymore. You got everything you ever wanted in this contract. That can be a lot for anybody to handle. Um, and he's insulated. I wouldn't say he's as insulated probably as a Brady or, you know, a Rogers or, you know, some other quarterbacks. But he's got this group that keeps him grounded that can kind of jig him a little bit. And I think his story keeps him grounded that, you know, Jay Gruden at the end of last year said, well, you know, he's asked about, you know, to evaluate how Kirk played the season. He's like, well, you know, eh, maso menos, essentially. Like, you know, we're seven and nine. He did some good things, but we're seven and nine. Like, that's where, you know, I, those types of stories, I think, still keep him humbled because he hasn't reached anything yet. Well, how much, well, I mean, the money's fantastic, obviously. And you talked about how commitment to him long-term was something that meant a lot where, you know, the Redskins had multiple opportunities, but they chose the franchise tag a couple of times. How much was the, you know, as they say with the restaurant business, location, 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 coming, being able to come to Minnesota sort of as close to the heartland of where his sort of people and brand and birth of his faith kind of are. Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, you know, he was going to go, he was going to go to the right fit. And number one, it was a team that I think the contract was huge because he took a risk risk to bet on himself um, to get to where he's at now. And, you know, he, he set a paradigm shift in the NFL for quarterbacks and guaranteed contracts. I mean, people really should, in that sense, be thanking him and his agent, Mike McCartney, yeah. for the work they did. This started three years ago um, when, you know, he's ta- you know, when he's tagged for the first time, they realize, okay, Probably he went through a lot of turmoil in Washington. Whether he'll pub, you know, he's publicly admitted parts of it, but I don't think we'll truly know just how how rough that might have been yeah. uh, with the Robert Griffin situation. And um, I mean, there's been subtle jabs here and there. I, th- I came across something which is probably unrelated, but hilarious nonetheless. Like when he got married a few years ago to his wife Julie, um, there's a picture that he put on Twitter. Like Julie's the quarterback, Kirk I think was the center, and he's got his buddies who are his, you know groomsman the quote the, uh, the tweet was you know traded away <laughs> traded away all my picks for this first rounder glad i did and it's a, mm-hmm. it's a subtle dig at robert griffin because right. it's exactly what happened in 2012 when they traded they got both of them 100 you know 100 picks apart mm-hmm. um but 
you know, it's that type of humor and that type of stuff that I think was a coping mechanism for Kirk as he went through this whole thing. And, you know, certainly, um, you know, a tough situation. But, you know, outside of the, you know, going back to the contract and everything, I mean, that was number one. And, you know, to get a team that was actually willing to give him a long-term deal and the security he desired. And he wanted to go to a place that, you know, has a chance to win right now, has a nice Super Bowl window, a sizable one, um, and that's in Minnesota. Um, mm-hmm. Do I think that, you know, if this if this exact situation was waiting for him in New York with the Jets, would he have gone? Probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, but I think it certainly helps that, you know, Minnesota's not far from, you know, it's Midwest. It's not far from where he was, where he was raised. I mean, he's from Illinois originally, born down there, and then, you know, up in Michigan. I mean, I think it, this whole region, uh, and I think you got to be here from here to kind of truly understand it's people who have the same friends for like 10, 15 years. Your best friend, my, I'm best friends with my high school friends, and I'm from Chicago. So mm-hmm. I kind of get it and can relate to him on that sense. Um, you know, it's, it's Big Ten country. Everything around here is very familiar, I think, more so to him than when he was in Washington, at least from an initial glance. One of the things uh, I thought was interesting you mentioned, like, it sounded right up, you know, his alley as far as um, just being grounded and practical uh, to have a money manager, which is obviously a great idea. And everyone that's entering the NFL should watch the 30 for 30 broke uh, seconds after they get drafted. But um, you also mentioned, uh, mentioned the specialized brain training that he's going through. Like, what does that entail and what does it like? What is it supposed to achieve? So the brain training is through this company called NeuroCore. Um, which is really interesting. Like, he's trying to train his focus. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, what is focus? It's such a broad, it's a broad topic. But, you know, is it how quickly you're able to recall something? How quickly you're able to zero in on a certain area in the red zone? I mean, what, what does that mean to a quarterback? So what he did, and I wish I had more space in my story to go into this. Um, NeuroCore, right Neuro, Yeah, NeuroCore is one of those things where, I guess they send you some sort of equipment and you watch movies. Um, last summer he went back and watched all the Star Wars movies. He did Lord of the Rings, I think, the summer before that. So obviously a little quirky, a little nerdy. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of the persona that's being painted out there of Kirk Cousins. But with brain training, um, from my understanding from his trainer, Joe Teferi, that you watch the movie. It's like on a computer and the, like it, the light is a little dimmer. So in it's measuring like your brain waves or kind of just how you're processing, um, I guess the, you know, the meter of it, of like what your brain's processing um, at the time watching the movie and going through the whole process. So if you're in a stadium of 60,000 screaming fans, brain training is supposed to, you know, effectively help you kind of tune that out and really focus in. And, you know, it's another way because, he knows he doesn't have the physical tools that the elites quarterbacks, the Ben Roethlisberger's, you know, the other two that I constantly mention in Brady and Rogers. I mean, mm-hmm. those type of guys, he doesn't have those tools his whole life. He's always worked on preparation and worked on, you know, trying to get the mental part down. So, you know, you always hear about, you know, talent beats hard work when our hard work beats talent, when talent doesn't work hard, mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing. Like mental preparation sometimes can beat just God given talent because you're a step ahead. Right. Um, and I think for Kirk, that's really been his MO. It's like, okay, control what you can control. I can control my mental preparation. I can't control the fact that I'm barely six three. Mm-hmm. You, you also mentioned that uh, cousins himself, he knows that the, the honeymoon 
of coming to the Vikings will sour if the team ends up being terrible. And yes, there's uh, there's still a huge drive in a fire to prove he's not the underdog and that the Vikings, let's say they get past the Eagles in the playoffs and they win the Super Bowl. Is there a desire to prove it isn't a fluke? And if there is, is there contentment? And if there is contentment, then does the fire go away? I don't think that fire's ever going to go away. I've been asked about that a lot with, you know, as his perception changes, their perception of him changes, rather, with this contract that he can't be an underdog anymore. You know, you don't lose you don't lose hold of who you are and who your identity is. I mean, I could become rich and famous and, you know, have everything I ever want. I'm still going to be the kid who, who's got South Side roots in Chicago and grew up in it with a modest living. Like, I'm not, you know... I will always carry that type of story with me. With Kirk, he's always going to carry his underdog story. At every turn, he's been told that, you know, yeah, like you're 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 good, but you're not good enough. Even as recently as like in Washington, with what Scott McLuhan, the GM, said, uh, you know, Bruce Allen calling him Kurt. Um, it's slights. It's it may not be like a terrible thing, like you suck, but it's slights everywhere he's been. There's always been a slight and a knock and a need to you know, go into this and prove yourself. Uh, we spoke with John Filippo, the uh, Vikings offensive coordinator, um, after the second day of training camp. And he brought up a really good point that the level of confidence you have being the guy um, gives, you, gives you an opportunity to do stuff that you might not be able to do elsewhere. And he can really see that in Kirk. Um, and people say, oh, well, he's been the guy the last three years in Washington. Has he really? Does the franchise tag make you the guy? Because it's technically, you know, a knock at you that, well, we want to give you a long-term investment, but we're going to do this first. There's there's always kind of been a pause with Kirk Cousin is is good, but, you know, is he Drew Brees? Is he anybody else that, you know, has, has been in a situation where they've hit the free agency market um, and gone to other teams? I mean, that's why his circumstance was so rare, because guys like him never come available on the open market. And he was healthy, unlike Brees and Peyton Manning, who, you know, are technically in that conversation too, but came – became, you know, unrestricted free agents when they were coming off injury. Um, so I don't think, I mean, you win a Super Bowl, I, I still think he's going to want to hold on to that underdog mentality. And he understands. I mean, he hears it loud and clear that, you know, if this thing doesn't go well, he may, I mean, this is his chance also to make another record-setting contract uh, three years from now. I mean, obviously, if things go really well the first two years, you'd expect the extension a little bit early and the Vikings want to keep him here because they haven't had quarterback stability in a very in more than a decade. Right. But, you know, for Kirk, you know, that story's defined him his whole life. And, you know, the whole I'll show you, I mean, at every turn his athletic career has been defined for him by other people, um, at least in, you know, the national perception. And for for him it's doing everything he can to write his own story. Um, and for him, you know, I think it's a comfort factor, too, to not let things get too big for him to hold on to that underdog thing. Because if you think you've, you know, the sense of vulnerability with him was very refreshing. Um, for him to tell me that he doesn't feel like he, ha- you know, sometimes he feels he's inadequate. What What superstar or somebody who's making superstar money is going to tell you they feel inadequate? It exactly. doesn't happen. And that, to me, is, the crux of this whole thing, like he's vulnerable. He's in a very vulnerable position right now in a very powerful position, which is the paradigm there. Um, 
I think it's a really unique story where, you know, he knows he has to prove it to everybody else because otherwise the investment, there's gonna, if there's no return on investment, it's going to look like they were wrong and, um, you know, he was wrong on betting on himself. Well, regardless, into that point, Courtney, if through his faith, it is, as his father sort of expressed to you, he's been able to achieve a certain peace in his decisions in his career. Is there really any way that regardless of the outcome, is there really any way he can fail? I mean, like within himself, like what, like if he ends up being a bust or not? Yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I mean, you know, there's, there's a notion that the way that I view this 2018 season with the Vikings is if, any other of their other three quarterbacks from last year that they had the opportunity to keep have any success, even an ounce more than Kirk, what Kirk Cousins achieves, it will look like it was a mistake. Um, and that's just the perception of it. Like if, if Case Keenum, which, you know, I don't know if it will happen, but if he goes to Denver and leads Denver to like an AFC championship or I don't know. I mean, like if, if something like that happens or if Sam Bradford is the Sam Bradford, we know he can be if his knee is healthy. Yeah. Um, and, and Kirk struggles, and they're you know ten and six or they're nine and seven if they miss the playoffs. Like that conversation comes back to this was not the right choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a guy like Kirk, I mean, he's at peace with his decision now because he's got everything he's ever wanted. But I think there's also an element of him that's kind of still got that fire and still has him on his toes because, okay, I've got everything I ever wanted. I have to make the most of it. Otherwise, it's a waste. I mean, granted, it's not really in the sense – I mean, waste in terms of self-actualization. But the money he got, I mean, that's guaranteed. He gets that whether they go 0-16 or 16-0. So all that being said, Looking forward, where do you think we see Kirk Cousins when this $84 million fully guaranteed contract expires? Well, depending upon how he does here in Minnesota with probably a deal just as big, if not bigger, with the same sort of parameters, um, he's set. And I think this is, you know, for for him, he couldn't have entered any better situation to go into the next, you know, the next six years of his career. Truth be told, um, his time in Washington was volatile. There were good moments, but I mean... This was his clean slate, and nobody's ever been presented a slate like this. So I think for where he goes from here, um, obviously staying true to himself, which kind of sounds like a cliche thing to say, but not becoming, you know, now that he, now that you know, if he has a chance to win a Super Bowl here, and if he does, not becoming what Tom Brady and what what the untouchables are, still mm-hmm. being that relatable guy where I think it was pretty evident in Holland um, just how he still is that. You can have all the money in the world. You can have all the status in the world, you know, and not, and it will definitely affect you. But I just, you know, there was no marketing arm at his camp. There was no security there. There was no nothing that would make you think, okay, this is, well, this is an NFL starting quarterback. He's sitting on the ground just chopping it up with some eighth grade boys because <laughs> He had some time to kill, and, you know, he could have just walked in. He could have been one of these people who, at a lot of these camps, the guys come in, wave, they're there for about, you know, an hour or two, and then they're, you know, the name's on the camp. His message was um, was here and, and really was at the camp as well. So I think continuing to push his message is where he goes with that because he's got an incredible platform right now, and he's doing it as we speak. Um, what does that message become, and how does he still stay the grounded, humble underdog uh, so many people, you know, put it 
when you are making that kind of money, when you are achieving that success, when you really are, in effect, not an underdog anymore, how do you still hold on to that story? I guess that's, you know, within this next chapter, within these next three years, we'll see how he does that. Well, we know all these chapters will be covered meticulously on ESPN.com by Courtney. Yeah, ho- hope so. It'll be, it'll be, you know, I think it could be a, you know, a tough start to the season just given their schedule. Mm-hmm. And that's where, um, you know, for Kirk staying grounded, like look at their first five weeks. There are, you know, they've got San Francisco, which is no slouch um, coming here week one. Then they go on the road to Green Bay, which is much earlier than that game is typically played at Lambeau Field. Um, you know, Bills in week three win. But then, you know, week four and week five, they're at Los Angeles against the Rams, and then they're at, in Philadelphia. Um, there's a chance. What if, what if they start two and three? And, and everybody's saying that the wheels are coming off, and, you know, this is a poor decision. I mean, how do you remain grounded in that? And I think his process of, you know, everything he does is calculated. Mm-hmm. That's going to help him through the hard times because they're going to come at some point uh, that he's going to face. Well, we all look uh, we all look forward to reading what you're going to have this season, and we thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate being on. All right, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon, Courtney. Thanks. Definitely. Remember to subscribe to Double Truck Stories podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again, and we'll be back soon with more Double Truck Stories podcasts.